Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Ouch. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus has given authority to the 12 to drive out evil spirits and to heal every sickness and disease. And this statement about foes is in one's own household is part of a long list of instructions seasoned with encouragement and warnings like the one I just read to you. And this one that I just read to you is originally addressed to the 12, but what does it mean for we who have been baptized into Christ in this age? Who is your master? Many people, places, and things, even our own thoughts vie for our attention or allegiance, and it appears that they, in some way, can become our masters, lowercase m. Oh yes, I'm a child of the 80s, and in the 80s, many of us were slaves to our hairdo. And sometimes slave to Aquanet and dippity Do and all those things. We spend hours fussing with our hair. And some of these masters cannot or may not really want us. They just want our attention and our gaze. Have you ever been pursued or wooed by someone or something and then once they've gotten your attention or received or didn't receive what they wanted from you, they appear to be scarce or lose interest. Maybe it's just me. On the other hand, they might have promised a certain outcome and whatever, whatever it was they promised to deliver just didn't quite pan out. Or that which you ultimately received did not resemble what they promised. Some of us lose ourselves in the cycle of people-pleasing where there is no end to jumping through hoops to get someone to accept us or leave us alone or even give us some peace in the relationship. Yet, our true master, Jesus, says he did not come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. And sometimes it feels like he's the sword. The sword is not like the weapons or the oppressive tools of this world that builds households of iniquity and equity and confusion. Remember what Essius Audrey Lord said, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Well, the master whom Lord is referring to uh, is a master's in those things that relentlessly hold our attention, distract us, and oppress us. Those who have built households of injustices, households void of love, especially the love of God and neighbor. These households practice the inhumaneness and ungodliness of human labor for free, while the master and slave are not free, but are oppressed by a distorted relationship to one another. 
and the self-professed human masters or other masters are no match for our heavenly master who died a death to sin once for all. Inequity and confusion cannot dismantle themselves as terror cannot dismantle or subdue terror, nor can darkness beat down darkness. But the love of God can dismantle inequity and confusion, dismantle an old household and build a new one. And the master Jesus Christ not only said, follow me, but identify with me and I will be with you. Earthly masters want our attention and commitment, but they can never express a love as big as God's love. Yes, he is stronger than any of our strongest opponents. Sometimes in our relationship with family and friends and bosses and associates, we often have to do some things to ensure security in those relationships. And many hold the unspoken message, if you love me, you will do this and such. And I've personally been both sender and receiver of do as I say, but not as I do. I call this the dance of the wannabe masters. We're seeking a sense of security and love from other people and places and things that only the true master can give. We love him because he first loved us. Matthew 10 and 1 John 4 connect and illustrate the differences between a lowercase m, wannabe master, and the one and only true master, Jesus, the sword of love, who dismantles a household of oppression, sin, and inequity. And through him, we come to learn how to love one another. Before dropping the news that he did not come to bring peace, Jesus commands the disciples to do what? He says, have no fear of them. Do not fear those who kill the body. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. He says a disciple is not above a teacher and the slave is not above the master. Meaning that if you, your teacher and your master went through some things, then who is to say that you would magically avoid the challenges that the teacher master encountered. Jesus is telling his disciples about the challenges that will certainly come to them when they proclaim from the housetops what has been whispered in the dark. In all these instructions, I can hear a diunodal, both and statements rather than this or statements. For example, the call of the apostles requires that they are both shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Then we can hear words like, how much more will they malign those of the master's household, which would make anyone shudder with fear, but our master says, do not be afraid of them, do not worry. He says, you are doing my work and love, but people, even those closest to you, may or may not like you because of me. And we are free from servitude to the master of sin and oppression, but we are bondservants of the Lord. And the final expression of this diunital concept is, you are both dead and alive. 
dead in sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus because you have lost your life for his sake. So who do you love the most? Who is at the center of your thoughts? We have heard the prophet Jeremiah say that God enticed him. And we said that prophets are mesmerized in many ways by God. But it wasn't to get their attention for a temporary or superficial reason. It was to correct and redirect their focus, to place their whole being in the presence of true love, a love that is perfected, is not clouded or distracted by fear and worry. Remember that perfect love cast out all fear. And notice that Jeremiah and the psalmist talk about their enemies and their problems, but they don't fixate on them and cause them to become bigger or take up more mental space than our God. And we too are to have zeal for the true master's house, so much so that it eats us up or is something like a burning fire shut up in our bones. We must not worry about our limited understandings of households and families or siblinghood or think about or worry about what we might say or them that might kill the body. For to be baptized is to be dead to sin and to be alive to God. It is to be part of a new reconstructed household, a family of God, the true master's house. Do not worry or be afraid of the harshness of these words. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Do not fear separation and loneliness that may come with loving Jesus, our master and friend, more than the family, friends, or anyone or anything that God has given us. Jesus is not commanding us to do something that he would not do himself. For he says, while pointing to his disciples, and I'm pointing to all of you as I say this, imagine that you're there with him. Here are my mother and my brother. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So what seems to be a loss is actually a true find. And the circle of love, the household of God, continues to grow even today. There is an icon, Eastern icon painting of the baptism of our Lord. And it depicts a very important story in our gospel. St. John Christendom refers to it as the epiphany because he believed that Christ became known to all through his baptism. And what I love about this painting and Eastern Orthodox paintings, they tell a story and they're not just for you to sit and just look at them, but the painter, the writer, actually invites the onlooker to be a part of the painting. You're in the story. So imagine that you are there while John the Baptist has his hand on the head of our Lord at the River Jordan. And sometimes when you look at this painting, I encourage you to look at it. Sometimes you look at it, it looks like Jesus is, Jesus is laying down, he's immersed in the water. It looks like he's 
walking on the water. It even looks like he's in the cave, in the tomb, where he's lying down and he gets up and he walks from the tomb. On one side of him is John the Baptist. On the other side are four heavenly hosts awaiting him to come to the other side. So imagine that right now as I read the following. Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen.